I just want people to know that it's, and I encourage you because it's really still shameful. Like you've been with someone, they're like, well, when is the, I bet you people are thinking, well, I've only been with someone for six months or only been with them for a month. Is it too soon? And I think as soon as you're having sex with somebody, it's time to. You want to talk about something that can kill sex, the mood of sex immediately. So if you're rejected time and time again, you can just imagine that person's self-esteem oh, yeah. has been hit. Exactly. So now they're going to try less. They're not going to feel as good about themselves. And now it creates this really weird freaking dynamic between two people. Yeah. And there's a lot. Exactly, Lisa. And there's so many couples in that exact dynamic where they say, well, I stopped, I stopped trying initiating sex mm -hmm. because I kept getting rejected. And then, so I don't even do it anymore. And then the partner who's like, oh, I don't remember that they were trying that much. I mean, it just becomes so messy. And then we just, we silently suffer through so much pain when it comes to this when really just a conversation. And then it becomes fun. I want to promise everybody that the more you talk about it, you actually get excited. Like you talk about what meal you're going to have and where you're going on summer vacation and the new furniture you're going to buy for your house. Bring this into the equation. What could we invest in for our sex life? What could we do? What could we, what could we experience together? God, I love that. And you even said so about communication. Because um, I've been with Tom for 20 years. Like, it must have been fairly recently, actually. I turned to him and I was like, are you satisfied? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, I do ask him a lot. And he asks me. But the way I asked him, he was like, yeah, why? And I'm like, because well, you used to want it, like, 10 times a day. And, you know, now it's, and he's like, but babe, that was when I first met you at 24. Yeah. He's like, I'm in my 40s now. Testosterone. Yeah, exactly. He well, was testosterone drops for men in their 40s and for women as well. We have to get tested. We have to see hormone doctors. We have to realize that it's going to take a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Like, it's okay that you might need to schedule it and talk about it. And of course you were like, well, you, it changed. It changes for everybody. I just want to normalize that your mm -hmm. sex life will not be the same in mm -hmm. your 20s as it is in your 30s, as in your 40s. 50s and so it's just really important that we just have more education and yeah. we understand that it's not about you when you're in your early 20s for a lot of men and women our testosterone's raging we can't help but have sex like we can't it's all we think about and then life goes on and our it's testosterone it's just life we don't we don't prioritize as much it's it's everything it's physiological mm. yeah and then consistency i want to talk to you about how often people think that they should have okay. sex People always ask me, what is the number? They want this magic number, and I'm yeah. not going to give it to people. I'm not giving you a number so you can check it off. Because mm -hmm. people are assume, people also assume that everyone's having more sex than they are. And they're not. Your neighbors are not doing what you think they're doing. And it doesn't really matter about your neighbors, because what matters is about yourself. So what is enough for both of you? That's, now, if you both say, well, once a week is great, then there's no problem. It only becomes a problem if there's a problem. Now, I, do, I think once a month isn't enough. I'll say that. I understand we all go through cr crazy times and stressful times where weeks go by, but then if weeks go by, and then another three weeks go by, and then another, then I would say, what could we do to start to make this more consistent? Because it's just like working out. You'll appreciate this, Lisa, is that, you know how it is when you are going to the gym regularly and you get up and you just, you go to the gym and think about it. But then you're on vacation, you take a break, you take a few weeks off, and then you're like, oh my God. And like getting on your shoes, it's so hard. But then you get to the gym and you're like, okay, I can do this again. Why not try to avoid the slip into like, oh God, we gotta have sex to make it consistent. To say, even if a week, if a week goes by, we should figure out a way to still be sexual, to still be intimate. Now, I'm not just talking about penetration. This could be 
mutual masturbation where you're both getting off, you're both figuring out what feels good, which is really hot. I get asked a lot of questions about mutual masturbation because mm. it's like, like, how do you do it? Well, you're just both laying back on your bed or wherever you have, you have your way of doing it. They have their way. Maybe you're using a toy. And why I love this is because it's a twofer. First, it's really hot to see your partner in ecstasy and pleasing themselves. And the second thing is you actually learn what feels good to them. You're like, oh, I didn't know that you used your finger this way or that way. You know, I'm learning something about my partner and it's intimate and you're aroused and maybe you're having an orgasm. And so that could still satisfy that urge and that's still intimacy, which is what I think when people are like, how many times a week, that in a way is perpetuating the whole like, penis goes in vagina sex where I think that there's so many other ways to connect that's interesting but what if it's just like I'm just not in the mood right because so, here's what I can I'm so aware of my relationship with my husband that I never allow any emotion to steer me in the wrong direction so we've never been multiple weeks except actually when I was really sick right. I just physically couldn't but um, we've never left multiple weeks apart from that go without us actually having sex because we understand the chemistry we understand the neurochemistry that's right. happening between us that it's the bonding chemical right. that it's important for our long-lasting relationship but the truth is is that if you're not really pushing for that sometimes I think excuses can feel real Right. And people can say that maybe they're watching this like, yeah, it's all right for you to say that, Emily, but I've got this going on, but I'm doing this, but I've got kids, but I've got a job. Kids but are, I've got it's this all hard. Like there's, there's going to be a million excuses that people are going to say of why they haven't had sex in a month or two. Right. How do you break them of that notion? Well, how is it making you feel? I mean, I think if I'm telling you that your intimacy and your sex life is an important part of your relationship because then you're just roommates and I'm going to tell you that it's going to get harder and harder, then then you have to say we're all busy. We are all busy, but then you have to set your alarm earlier in the morning or you have to, you know, go to bed later at night or you just have to talk to your partner and try to say, what would be a good time for us to connect again? It could just be in a massage. You could even take sex off the table. Maybe you've been having some pain. Maybe you've been um, really stressed out, but what if you just each give each other a 10 minute back massage and then see where that leads? Because a lot of times we're not having sex because we are anxious, because we're stressed, because we're worried, because there's so much going on and it's sort of this vicious cycle. So if you can break that cycle and say, well, what do I need? What are my requirements for being aroused? Well, I know for me, like let's say I have a date or someone's coming over, or we're doing something. It's like, I know that I need to shower. I have a steam shower in my house. It's like, I'll take a steam shower, I'll meditate. I make sure that I'm like, have everything just, I feel good, that I'm good. I can't, it's hard for me just to get right into it. And I get that when you have kids and you're living with someone, it might be harder or you might have a different set of arousal. It might be like the kids are already sleeping. It might be um, the housework is done. It might be, you know, just, just find the way. Think about the last time you were the most aroused and you were the ready for sex. What was the environment? What were you seeing, smelling, tasting? Think about the senses. Like what kind of environment do you need to make you feel ready for sex? Something you just said, though, that horrified me a little. Okay. Which was, okay, the housework is done. And... The sex being the important part of a relationship, of a couple's intimate relationship. Right. But yet, most of us, a lot of us, myself included, have in the past put housework in front of it. I, I need to do the dishes. I have to do the laundry. I have to finish this, yeah. Mm -hmm. Assignment, whatever. Which is heartbreaking that we do that 
prioritize that. And so in fact, that's actually what it comes to, the priorities of life. And so I think I know your answer, but where would you prioritize sex? I would say it should be one of the top pillars of your relationship. I would say prioritize your, listen, if you're a couple that prioritizes health and wellness, you can't have sex be the outlier of your health and wellness. And I think that's the problem. You were saying that it's interesting. Earlier when we talked about self-care, people don't think of it, but don't think of sex. But it's absolutely because you talk about the neurochemistry, you talk about the oxytocin, the cuddle hormone, like we require it. We need touch. We need connection with our partners. And so in telling you that, if you if you think about that, it's, it's part of being healthy overall, then I think you have to prioritize it. And sooner than later, even if you don't know what to do with it, just say, I'm not sure what to do about this either. I'm stressed out. I'm not, but let's problem solve together. I always hear from, like I said, one person in the relationship, but do it together. You both want it. I mean, I'm going to say now that your partner wants to be a good lover to you. They're with you. They just might not know how because the house is a mess and they have a lot of responsibilities and they're stressed out. So it's just another thing you have to solve, like opening up a savings account or how are we going to be better parents? I just want people to think differently about their sex life. God, and you, as you were saying it, I was like, it's kind of like, you know how in the mornings when it's just like, I need to meditate and then I'll do this. Can you see a world where someone's like, I just need to masturbate and then yes, I'll do I this? Did. Lisa, I got you my meditate. <laughs> you did. I got her a masturbate, got... meditate, manifest candle because that's me most mornings. I will do all those things. I will masturbate. I, I meditate every morning. I mean, don't, but again, I am not a saint. I mean, I am not perfect. Sometimes I'll have like go a few weeks and I'll be like, oh my God, like the pandemic, I'm home alone. Like, I'm not masturbating. And then I'm like, oh, and then whenever I have an orgasm, it's like, the cloud shit. Mm. I just, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but you're going to notice a shift because orgasms are good for us. They're actually help boost our immune system. They, they help with cramps. They help clear our skin. They help clarify our thoughts. I mean, it's like, it's, it's what do you got to lose? I freaking love that girl. And it's so true. Like the more we're talking, the more like, you know, as you said about your candle, making it normal so that it becomes part of our self-care because then like if we do that i then think it will make it easier to start talking about more right. with our friends with our partners because like even just going through all the hard questions i was like i can talk to you about it now that i'm in my 40s confident been with my husband for 20 years but i'm like what about that person that's just starting out like how do we set them up for success or even someone right there now that may be in a relationship where let's say it's they've got some bed death and it's like, how the hell, Emily, do we start helping those people That's, to spark it alive? Yeah. Like, I, there's opportunities here. We just have to be honest this about is what it. that is. Yeah. I mean, do some research or like research, read about sex, start to explore your own body and figure out what feels good to you. I mean, I, I learned a lot. I mean, I do have a doctorate in human sexuality. I went back to school. But what a lot of what I learned about my own body came from my own experimentation. It came from my own, like, what how might this feel what you know we have so many nerve endings in our bodies so just getting curious about sensations and what feels good to us i just want people to know that it's and i encourage you because it's really still shameful like you've been with someone they're like well when is the i bet you people are thinking well i've only been with someone for six months or only been with them for a month is it too soon and i think as soon as you're having sex with somebody it's time to start talking about it yeah like isn't there a quote like if you can't talk about sex then you shouldn't have be having sex yes exactly Exactly. And we will talk about everything with our partners. Literally, sometimes like you had a baby together. You sat and watched that baby come out of your wife's vagina. Like you, you birthed something. You have shared everything. You've been through the highs and lows, but you will not address your sex life. And it's just, 
I just want to turn that on its head. I want to take away the taboo and the shame. And I think that the more that you hear it and you realize that you just haven't been living in a world where it was safe and where it was comfortable, be that friend in your friend group. Be that friend that talks about it. Say, hey, I know we never talked about this, but do you masturbate or what kind of orgasms do you have? I'd love to know. And, and I think you will find that people are gonna be on board with the conversation. I found that most people want to talk about it. They just haven't felt safe or mm -hmm. had that person. Yeah, it's very true. And um, at least right now, and obviously you're way more in this space than I am, but I still hear people that get either weirded out, offended, um, or think that there's something wrong with them if their partner's still watching porn. Great question. I hear that too. That is very common every day because again, we have all this misinformation about porn. Porn is a complicated topic because first off, the problem with porn, I'll start with this, is that the proliferation of porn since our smartphones have been in our pockets, so maybe about 16 years, probably since I started, so this is something that I've seen change a lot, is that a lot of people have now grown up that when they think of sex, they think of porn. Porn is not an accurate depiction of how you have sex. It is scripted. It's mostly, most of the porn that we see is made for the, by men, for men, through mm -hmm. the male gaze. So it's what men fantasize about. It doesn't mean they necessarily want that to happen. And that's when you see all the penetration happening without the warm up. You don't see that it's awkward. You don't see- There's no story. There's no storyline. <laughs> I can tell you about some good porn that's being made now that's like ethically produced for women. Um, that's for women by women, which is great. But going back to the thing about, so that's what I want to say about porn in general, but it can also be great because it's titillating. It can be inspiring. We might learn some scenarios that, that turn us on. We can watch with a partner. But there are a lot of people who believe that if their partner watches porn, it is cheating. Now, listen, if your partner's only watching porn and they don't want to have sex with you, if mm. they are feeling more standoffish, if they can't perform, now this is when porn becomes a problem. People can be, have watched too much porn and that's when you have a consequence. People are like, oh, am I addicted? Like, I don't want to put labels on it. But if you can only get off when you watch porn, that when you're with a human, you can't get off, you know, mm. then you might want to scale back on your porn watching. But typically it's just kind of a benign, like people are going to masturbate in relationships, out of relationships. And for, for many people, it's just a release. It feels good. It's a stress reliever. And it really does not have anything to do with your partner's feelings towards you. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like, like a lot of things in life, a little bit is actually great. Too much of it could be dangerous. It's everything. <clears throat> it's literally everything. It, it's moderation. Yeah. It's true. Um, at least with me and my husband, I'm always like, if I'm not in the mood and he is, I'm always like, by all means, go watch yes. porn. Like, right. It's like my savior. Yeah. You're like, thank God. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. And how that's great. I mean, and, but the, and I love that you're like that because you know how many people would love to have the blessing of their partner? There's so many people I hear from, and I would say that this is probably more men than women that are like hiding out of the basement or in their car and they're masturbating and then they feel shame after because they had to keep it secret from their partner and it just becomes super messy. And then there's like resentments, but to be like, Hey babe, go for it. I support you. Like that is so liberating to have a partner that is totally down with what you're into and what is supporting you to be sexually healthy. But again, it's relearning all these messages. Mm -hmm. So what if then you have a fantasy or a desire and you share it with your partner and they're so horrified, like now you feel, you want to talk about feeling the shame, the judgment, the embarrassment, the feeling like, well, I'm never going to do that again because this didn't end well. Um, how would you handle that sort of situation where you're not judging yourself, but your partner yeah, is? Yeah, like, so they actually are judging. Like yeah. our biggest fear yeah. is coming true that yeah. they are judging us. 
Well, I think you have to sort of ease into it. So like, I think again, it's about having the conversations. I would build up to it. So I would say, so I've heard that one of the top fantasies is, is, and this is true, is like threesomes or group sex. Split among genders, top fantasies. So you just kind of take baby steps. Would that ever be interesting to you? Have you ever fantasized about someone watching us or having someone else in the room? And, and then you just say, do you have any fantasies? Sometimes you guys could maybe build fantasies together. So I, I just think you got to build up to it. And again, not a one-time conversation. Well, that's the thing. So let's say you're just starting out your relationship, your sexual journey with somebody. Is there a right time to be bringing up, hey, I actually really like this. Can you try this? Just like, you know, physically. Yeah. And then when is that good, like, next step of being like, hey, I should have some fantasies. Because that's, like, I think people worry about timing. How long should I be with him before I'm open about it? Right. Before I actually articulate my dreams, my fantasies, my G-spot. Like, right. All of that sort of thing. I think, right, if you want to have pleasurable sex, start talking about it now. And I'll go back to the yes, no, maybe list because I had no idea it would be so... I mean, I, it's such a great fodder for couples because from mm. there to jump, even if you don't get all the way through it, you're like, oh, you like spanking? I want to be spanked. Amazing. Maybe you just go off of that. Or you like dirty talk? I didn't know that. Like, let's figure out how to talk dirty together. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like bring in some other tools, some other resources that you guys could discuss together and sort of make that part of it. Like how great to find out on a third date if your partner is, has a, has a, growth mindset around sex. <laughs> what if your partner says, oh, well, I don't talk about it. That you have your answer. People walk down the aisle with people and they're married for years and then they call me like, my partner's not sexual. Well, did you just, how was it at the beginning? Mm, they were never really into it. People don't change. You become mm. more of who they are unless they have a very specific, like I'm going to change. You know, this, this is what you're all about. Um, it, unless you decide, I'm going to become more sexual. I'm going to get more in shape. I'm going to start to meditate. Like you, you could decide that up until now you weren't, but if you, if your partner hasn't done any work around this, then, then don't be surprised. Find out before you commit for life. A lot of what you're talking about really does kind of come back to confidence. Like as a female, I'll just keep it at that for now. Um, to speak to your partner, to bring these things up, to talk about the hard things, to, you know, point out where your, you know, your, your very spe special spots are. Like all of this really does take a lot of confidence in yourself because no matter what, you can, you're putting yourself out there and you're leaving yourself open for that person to come back and shut you down, make you feel shameful and all of that. Yeah. Do you talk about that or like work on like the confidence part of it? Yeah, I think it's a practice. I think that confidence is a big part of it, but I think that the more that you do it and the more that you, you are with a partner that makes you feel good. Again, toxic partners, people who aren't about your growth. I mean, I'll bet you if you have a partner who's shaming you for it, and you have a partner who's telling you how dare you bring this up and you want to talk about you want to talk about sex, how supportive are they of your career? How supportive are they of your independence? How supportive are they of your friendships? This usually isn't in one area. They're probably shut down in other areas of importance to you. So I think this could be a litmus test. I think it's, I do think it's grounds for dismissal for a partner who isn't invested in your pleasure, who says, oh, you don't need a toy or you don't need to watch porn or we shouldn't have to work on it. But again, I'm not shaming them. Most of the information we've been told is that sex should always be amazing. We should always be in the mood. We shouldn't have to talk about it. It should be just 
as fabulous as it was in the honeymoon phase, which is a biological condition that lasts six months mm. to two years. And that's all the feel of the oxytocin, the dopamine, all those like neurochemical love. It's a love cocktail. It's the most glorious, sexy cocktail of hormones that you've ever had. And that's why we love that phase. But it doesn't last. Like any great drug trip or any great high, it's going to come down. And so to just base, have that as your benchmark, as your baseline, it's like it doesn't, it doesn't serve you because you're not really in your in state of mind because you have the novelty, you have the newness, you have the excitement. You've never been with this person before, but that is going to change. So I just say the confidence comes from knowing that you deserve pleasure, that you deserve to be in a healthy relationship, and then working on your own body shame and body insecurities. I do think mm. also that masturbation helps with that. Looking in the mirror, looking at yourself naked, putting a mirror between your legs and saying like, what do I look like down here? Because if we don't love our own bodies, and again, some of this might seem cliche to people. I'm not even saying you have to love it. How about you don't accept your own body? If you don't accept your own body, it's gonna be really hard to get somebody else on board with it as well. Not that they're not gonna like your body, but if you're like constantly like, I don't know, I feel bad about it. It's just gonna be hard for someone else to let someone else in. So a lot of times we're the, we're the problem too. If you have big, beautiful, incredible, audacious dreams for your online business, but you actually lack the confidence in your ability to then actually make it happen, then I promise you, my homie, and I say this with all the love and compassion in my heart, your company will never get where you want it to go. I've been there, guys. In Growing Quest, I had to face myself every day. I didn't know what I was doing. And I really wish that I had Shopify at the time. Because when you choose to grow your business with Shopify, you have everything you need to make your dreams a reality. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you at every stage of your business from launching your business to hitting a million dollars shopify has got you completely covered and with their incredible magic ai award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout you literally have everything you need to make all of your amazing businesses dreams a reality and that's exactly why i adore and love shopify if you're serious about growing your freaking badass business and you want to build your confidence and have faith then shopify is here for you so go over right now and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase guys. Again, that is go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. One more time, that's shopify.com slash Lisa. You won't regret it. That's what I was actually going to say, right? It's that you're insecure in your own body. So maybe you're not as sexual. You're not as making as many advances. You want the lights off. You're not putting yourself out there to your partner. So right. now they feel a certain way. They probably think it's about them. And now it becomes a, you're not doing yourself any service. Right, right. We're, we're, we're preventing ourselves from, from a real true connection and pleasure, which we all deserve. Pleasure mm -hmm. is our birthright. I love that. What is the thing that you find like the one of the hardest things that women specifically find difficult to talk about um, in regards to sex? Some things that are hard for women to talk about is when they have pain. So 80% of women will have pain during sex at some point 80%. in their life. 80%. And of, some, and of, and of those women... Um, it's not all the time, but for some, it's every time. But we're just starting to look at women's sexual health. And so women can have something called vulvodynia or vaginismus, which means that upon entering anything, sometimes it's a tampon, it's a finger, anything they've had it their whole life. And it just means that they've had some, maybe they've had some, they hold, they clench or they hold in 
um, stress or pain and they're constantly flexing their pelvic floor muscles or tensing it. And so that's why I say you can check out a pelvic floor physical therapist. And this is all new, is still new information, Lisa. I didn't even know about a pelvic floor physical therapist 10 years ago. It's like, so, so what I'm saying is you, you don't have to live with it. There's a lot of resources for women to kind of realize that, that you could get checked, you could figure out what it is, you don't have to suffer through pain. So I think that's hard for women because we're like, well, life's already hard, I just, I'll just take the painful sex because we just, we can put up with a lot of pain, women. Mm -hmm. we, we give birth, we have cramps every month, we have periods, we just are like, oh, it's another thing. No, you don't have to live with pain. So that's one of them. But again, it doesn't mean you can't have penetration you could do, the mutual masturbation, you could just have external mm -hmm. pleasure, but but don't force yourself through through pain. Just don't, get, get some answers. Again, we have tons of resources. Unfortunately, a lot of gynecologists aren't as prepared to talk about this stuff. They just don't. They weren't. They weren't trained in it. We don't prioritize women's sexual health in this country. Mm. Um, so I just have to say, you have to become a detective. But again, I have a lot of great resources for people. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great because it's really like if you broke your ankle, you think I was stupid if I didn't go to the doctors and get it fixed, right? Yeah. Everyone would be like, "What the fuck are you doing, Lisa?" Right. But if you have a broken vagina, like. You gotta go see, get right. it fixed. Exactly, like after childbirth, so many women just that they have pain. That's why we do our kegels and strengthen our pelvic floors. But there could just be other. There could be tearing. There could be fissures. I mean, there's just there's a lot. And sometimes women, certain times a month, when we're ovulating, for some women they have pain like once a month, and they're just like, oh, mm. I don't know exactly when it's gonna happen. It's because like our ovaries drop, and so it's just like getting smart and paying attention to our own cycles and our own bodies. Become an expert in your own body. Why is that one then the the most taboo? Well, like one of the biggest taboos. Well, to talk about pain? Yeah. I just think because we feel shame. Because we think, well, why don't my partner to reject me, that I have pain. So I would say that just one of them that we are, one of them were very mm. uncomfortable. We're like, I feel less than, I don't feel desirable. I don't actually know why it is. Something's wrong with me and I'm broken. So that is a taboo and talking to our friends about it. I mean, I think that if women start to open up with their friends about it as well, they realize mm -hmm. that they're not alone. If I'm saying 80%, at least your friends could be like, oh yeah, that happened to me once, or I have a friend, or here's what I did. So yeah, pain is one of them. And I think, and I think it's also just, I'm not having pleasure or I'm not, I need more foreplay. I need you to do the dishes first. Like, listen, there's a lot of things that turn us on. I need you to take a shower first. I need to warm up. Like I know if my partner gives me like a 10 minute massage, I'm so, like it's gotten to the point where he'll come over and I'll put out like my massage table because I have one at my house and I'm working all the time and he like puts it out, he'll like lay down a blanket and they're like, I know you need this after this long day. And I'm not saying it happens every time, but when it happens, like he sees I'm a different person. We need to melt away the stress. We need to be able to realize like we can't, and also it's so easy to complain about it or just be like, I'm not turned on, but Get curious, what does turn you on? What does get you in the mood? If you need a toy or you need oral sex or you need to feel that your partner asks about your day first, like if we don't, like it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. It's not just about arousal, not just about touching the body parts. It's about our love languages. Like where do you feel the most love from your partner? If you haven't, like a lot of us, oh, I haven't talked to my partner in weeks. We haven't had a intimate conversation. We've been like ships that pass the night, but now my partner comes in and wants to have sex. I'm not turned on because we haven't had the grounding. Maybe you need to have a conversation before sex. Mm. Maybe you just need to feel adored if words are your love language, words of affirmation, like tell me how hot I am. I mean, there's, I'm just giving people, I'm throwing it all out there so we'll kind of 
look at it and go, oh yeah, I felt really intimate that time mm -hmm. that he really helped me with stuff around the house or he made an effort with the kids or she, who knows? I mean, there's so many different formulas, but like get curious and think about it because really we're gonna be the ones who ultimately are gonna be able to crack our own code. Then we can share it with the partner. All right, I got one big one for you. Okay. Is it impossible to have an orgasm? Like if some people are like, I just can't orgasm. Like I actually used to say that with my first boyfriend that I lost my virginity I was I with him for four too. years and I was like, I just, I'm just, I can't orgasm. I wasn't masturbating. I thought it was shameful. I was like, women don't do that. So right. I grew up all, you know, like literally with a guy that I was like, oh, I, I just guess I can't. And then I met Tom and I was like, holy hell, what the <laughs> exactly. But there are people right now, luckily I met Tom in, so. when I was, you know, in my twenties, but what about people who maybe older or in fact what about people who are even having sex now and they're like i haven't had one yet or people who are older and like it's impossible for me well here's the good news most women the women you're talking about are pre-orgasmic they're not anorgasmic they're, what does that mean it just means they haven't had an orgasm yet pre-orgasmic just haven't done the steps they have to have an orgasm but anorgasmic is like you at no cost can have an orgasm and for many women it's a toy there should be no shame in using sex toys again the fact that we think that toys are somehow, it should only, our orgasm should only happen through a penis or through a finger. Like, why? Who said that? Like, we use, we use technology for ev to enhance every other area of our life. What is the problem with using a toy? Use it, and I think that the most people feel they feel shameful, it's not the right thing, My, their partner doesn't like it. And there is a lot of men I've seen who've said like, oh, I, like they feel work. If I use a toy, it means that they're not good enough. Right. But that's just saying, no, I need something extra and you could use it on me. And I've found that with partners that may have been intimidated, once they use a toy with me mm. or I use it on them, they feel great on men too. Toys feel great on a penis, all over the body, use some massage oil, it's a good time. But I think once they're with me and they see it, they're like, Bring that toy out. Like they're down, it helps. It's, it moves things along, it's the sure thing. So play with it, yeah. have fun. There are gonna be times where you're struggling, you're falling on your face, you're hitting your rock bottom, you're having to sell your yeah. stuff, you're having to call, call your mom at, would you say 39, to yeah. ask her to pay 39. your health insurance? Yeah. Like, most people would be like, I'm too embarrassed, I'm gonna stop that, I'm gonna go do a nine to five and just live right. my life like that. I love that you're asking me these questions and I love what you're doing because I think we need to be inspired by each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't talk about this much, not because I'm embarrassed by it, I actually love, right now I'm like, yeah, I did it, wow, okay, <laughs> thanks for asking. But we don't see the struggles, you're like, you're so lucky, mm -hmm. you've just done a podcast, oh my God, how did you know? I'm like, I didn't know shit in 2005, I didn't know anything, right. I still don't know. I still get up every day, go to the office, it's still kind of scary, and that is what made you know, made me who I am. So I'm... And that's why I think you're like, you're so incredible, so inspiring. So, you know, when I first met you, um, it was actually here, you yes. came to do an interview with the boys from Mind Pump. Love those guys. And that was the first time I met you. And they're like, oh, there's this lady, you know, she does a podcast <laughs> with Sex with Emily. And immediately I was like, okay, a chick that calls, talks about sex, that's cool. But I didn't really think beyond that. And then when we met and we hung out and we went for dinner and I started like reading up of me, I'm like, you're a freaking powerhouse woman. What you've done and accomplished and what you've gone through and the, the struggles is so inspiring that I think it's so important for people to see that and talk yeah. about that because they can get so caught up in the fact that it's about sex, which right. I definitely want to start talking oh about. Oh my God, like, for sure, right? On top of trying to start your own business, it's about sex. Right, so now let's go into that then. How <laughs> right. do you overcome that? Like. How do you, or maybe you don't even care, but 
my impression of you was okay cool a woman that likes to talk about sex it wasn't like she's so like she's got a doctorate she's really un understands humans understands personalities character like psychology there's so much behind it yeah um did you have to like try and convince people you're like screw it, i don't care i didn't honestly I, and again i think it's that ignorance is bliss or i was really naive mm -hmm. when i started the show i was in no way an expert ever on sex i was literally the guinea pig i was like oh my god i just went to my first sex party i had a threesome they sent me a free sex toy you know now we get like literally like 25 pounds of sex toys a week it's so funny you're asking me this because i don't remember having to shy away from sex i've always been very proud of it so wherever i went um, to a dinner party or I was waiting in line for my dry cleaning is that whenever I told people what I did they were like oh wow that's cool can I ask you a question I've got this bump or how do I ask my girlfriend to you know do this thing for me so wherever I go people have a question you probably have that around health and nutrition I think we were both at dinner I was like wait so tell me about this so it's this universal topic but the difference about sex is there's not a lot of people talking about it in a really honest open non-judgmental way so I wasn't carrying all of that judgment around with me I just knew my day-to-day -day life who I was meeting and the response I was getting and it was always very very positive mm. people are really just they want to know more they want to talk more about it I think we're at a great time now people are very open to sex yeah. and relationships and we all need more information i think the show has really filled a gap where it is just a hole if you will we have abysmal sex education i want to say in the states but pretty much everywhere i can speak we, for england you're right it's right? everywhere it's everywhere it's everywhere and we walk around thinking that sex is this area of our lives that should always be perfect mm -hmm. it should always be magical we should never have to talk about it with our partner and the second it's not great we should dump it or we should end it and there's something wrong and so i'm just here to say over and over again no you got it communication is a lubrication talk about your sex life understand your body and without shame and judgment yeah why do you think that is because you know you even said i'm sure people ask me all the time about fitness and it's such a like Fitness to me is part of um, well-being, right? Mindset right. about living the great life. I think sex is too. Yeah. But people can very easily openly talk about fitness anywhere and everywhere. But the second it comes to sex, people start shying away. Yes. Like, what do you think it is about that? That people shy away, even more so women. Women, oh my like, God, why women. Why do we? I'll tell you why. It's because it's not talked about in our churches, our synagogues, definitely not around the dinner table. Even our friends don't talk about it as mm. much, right? Like, I wish that my friends in high school had talked more about masturbation because I didn't even know about it. I started having sex and I didn't have an orgasm. It's a whole other story. My friends were like, don't you masturbate? I'm like, it never even occurred to me. So how great <laughs> would it have been if we did talk mm. about it? So we don't say it in our culture anymore. It's still hush-hush. We can't even say vagina on television up until 10 years ago, which is like anatomically like what it is called. <laughs> Penis was fine, vagina mm. wasn't. So we're just, you know, so that's like society. And then... There's so much shame around it. So I think that women and men have shame around our bodies, around being slutty, around slutty, asking for what we want in bed. There's no great role models. And there's, so that's why there's no demonstration around it. We are left to deal with our own sexual insecurities, body image issues, feeling like we have to be one thing when we don't feel that way. You know, and women are such caretakers that we feel like I want our partner to be happy. It's not around our own sexual pleasure. And I'm here to tell you, none of that's true. And then there's also religion and there's shaming and trauma. So that's why there's, there's shame and there's trauma and there's judgment. And we realize that if we do bring up sex, that will just be shut down, which you probably will be. Like yeah. we probably will be. Like they don't want you to talk about it in the workplace. So that is why there are. And so my goal, like 
is really just to like have it taught in schools, like talk about pleasure, not just scaring people with STDs and pregnancies. Mm. And we don't even know how to talk about it to ourselves, to our partners or to anyone. So that's why. Until you started your podcast <laughs> right. and now you're breaking all barriers, girl. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so incredible because even for myself, going from like terrible education, right, um, on sex education, didn't really know anything. My mum, it was taboo, you couldn't really speak about it at home. Um, so it was, I kind of had to figure things out right. as I was getting older. And this is back before the internet, right. showing my age. Right. Um, so it's not like you could just Google stuff or like no. watch porn and learn. Right. Like it literally was, you had to figure it out and all the mistakes are kind of made along the way. But until I think I met my husband, Tom, I did shy away from talking about sex, yeah. communicating, um, figuring out what I liked. And he was influential in my coming out. Like, be expressive on who you yeah. are, baby. You know, you can be a sexual being and not be a slut. Right. You can own your sexuality and dress that makes you feel good right. and not shy away that you're worried that someone's going to call you something. Exactly. And once I started doing that, I found confidence. That's exactly what it is. That's where the confidence comes from, is that I think I hear from, I do hear from women all the time who are like, do I have to act like the girl's in porn? Do I need to not show him what I want because he's going to judge me and think that mm -hmm. I'm slutty, all that? But the second you start doing it, you realize like, oh, this is what's missing was our own acceptance of ourselves, our own love of our, our body. And our partners are dying for us to tell them what we want. And right. they want to figure it out. They don't have all the answers. So you're absolutely right. Self-confidence, that's where it comes from. And I found this self-confidence not just in the bedroom though, but in my everyday life, in business, in being a woman, in walking into a boardroom. Like, when I put my knee-high boots on, <laughs> I feel different. Right. If I put on like something that I'm like, oh, you kind of look good, Lisa. Like, I, I carry yeah. myself differently, which means that then I approach things differently. I, I, it just sw switches my mindset. Yeah, exactly. And the being healthy and eating right, all those things. And when you're having orgasms and, you're, and people are like, how do I, I hate my body? I'm like, masturbate. Masturbate every single day or whatever mm. feels right mm -hmm. to you. Take that time because you're, literally your hands have such power to give you pleasure. And so once you do that, you like can really truly learn to like, love your body and, and to kind of have that serotonin rush and the dopamine and all the things that come with, with sex and orgasm and that will, that will spill over into every area of your mm. life and you're absolutely right. Yeah. And you walk into that, whether it's a boardroom or a bedroom. Right. And you're like, this oh, is what I am, like this that. is who I am. Yeah, this is what I want, yeah. <laughs> That's right? great. Yeah. Um, going back to, so you were brought up, you, um, your parents divorced when you were young mm -hmm. and they both remarried multiple times. Yes. Um, did that have an emotional effect on you in regards to relationships, marriage, Absolutely. sex, and then how did Hi, you sex overcome? with Emily, never, yeah. Again, everything in our life, I think, is, I want to say a gift, but in a way, some things are really hard. But our struggles and our pain and our suffering is exactly who makes us who we are today. Mm -hmm. So I think that my infinite curiosity for understanding love and commitment, a lot of my show is not just about sex. It's right. about relationships and dating and marriage and love, stems from the fact that my parents got divorced at nine. I attended four of my wed parents' weddings before I was 25. It was a struggle, and I, I like, well, the relationships are disposable, and there's no, doesn't look, actually this whole marriage thing looks so not fun to me. Psychology 101 would tell you that my parents' divorces, the marrying divorce, the discarding the partners, and then my dad dying suddenly when I was 19. So I'd like to figure out what what it is about love and what it is about having great sex and marriage. So really that was sort of one of the bases for me starting Sex with Emily oh. was that I don't get it. 50% of marriages end in divorce. 
Like it's a failing business, but I want to turn it around. I want to know what works for people. Mm-hmm. So when it started, I was like, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I want to interview everyone I know and every people out there to find out the, the experts. What is the secret to successful marriage, successful like relationship and having amazing sex? Mm-hmm. So I think I took all of my pain and suffering and confusion around it and mm-hmm. I want to figure it out so I can help myself and others. I love that you're able to look back at things like that which again could crush people, ruin their yeah. life, ruin any future relationship, ruin their sex life. Um but you've been able to actually spin it around and make that your strength. Because yeah. of this I figured it's exactly. kind of giving you a path to go on. Yeah, and I I I yeah, I mean again, these are all such great questions because I don't really internally I think about it. I'm sure I've mentioned before, but for sure like those things, those struggles are and we all have them even if you had the perfect family the perfect childhood perfect on paper it doesn't exist of no course. one's childhood is perfect nothing is perfect when you struggle and you suffer you and you get through it that's that's where you get your real sincere uh, skills and strengths that mm. kind of make who you are yeah. so the one thing that you just said is you um you've decided to not have children or get right. married yeah so how do you overcome that stereotype because That's i'm i'm in that same situation obviously i'm married but my husband and i've chosen to not have children right. and it took me a year to say that out loud even though Tom and I had decided we were very happy with that decision yeah. for me to actually verbally say that to people because i was insecure that i would be judged right all of a sudden if you don't have kids oh you're not a real woman or you're not a nurturer and it took me a long time to own that and say no I am a nurturer right. I love taking care of people right. I just choose not to have children exactly to then pass on you like to do that nurturing with like right. I, I surround myself with people that I want to nurture like all day long I want to nurture right. right exactly I totally get it I said it, I remember at 19 saying okay so really like having sex with one person for the rest of your life that seems so boring like who would ever want to do that but I always knew at the back of my head I'm open to it. Mm. I'm open to like seeing if that changed over time and it really didn't. So so first I'll address the kid thing. I feel like my business has been my baby, my friendships, mm. my nurturing. So to me that is so fulfilling. I get to travel, I get to do whatever I want in the world and just having a kid just never I guess my body never spoke to me in that way. Like women talk about their biological clock and they just mm. know they want it and I think that's amazing and you should do it. Conversely, I think there's a lot of women who think they should, like you said, they're going to be judged if they don't, like that's just my lot in life, but I never did anything that way. I knew that that wasn't my path. I have no like, zero regrets around it and I really hope that women watching this can kind of see us as these examples of like you can have a really rich full life. So I think go with your gut. If you don't don't that the kids are not something you want to talk yourself into. Mm. So I think it can be really I think more women do need to talk about it and yeah. um and I, I'm I'm glad that we are talking about that. So and the marriage thing, you know, I don't know. I just also felt like what is the purpose of of that? You know, I am in a relationship right now with someone that I'm, I'm really in love with and it's great and you know, who knows what could happen, but I just I didn't orient myself that way. I don't mm. see why we 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 need it. And I always felt again If I meet someone and I'm truly in love with them and I think and this is what I said about kids too I thought if I'm with someone and we both agree and I'm like well of course we should have children we both want that mm-hmm. we need to reproduce now I would be open it wasn't like I was like no I will never do it I was open but you know my life goes on and I just I keep moving forward and it's just not my jam. Yeah. Tom and I were the opposite when we got married we were like yeah we're having kids. I was brought up Greek Orthodox. Yeah. When I wanted to go to university to do a film degree my dad was like 
okay, well, you're going to get married and have kids anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So right. he was like... You'll just get over that career yeah, thing. Yeah, he really did think that. And I, well, Tom and I thought we were going to have kids, but as our lives changed, our priorities changed. And so we really did speak about what our priorities are. And every year we would have that same discussion. It's like, okay, is this what we want to do? Is this the path we want to take? What's the pros and what's the cons? What are you actually... Like having the real conversation right. of Tom was like, I'm... I'm driven. So if you expect me to come home every night at 6 p.m., that's not going to happen. I'm going to come home when work is done. Now, if I come home, I'm then going to want to spend time with the kids. So are you okay with me spending less time with you? And I was like, no. <laughs> right, absolutely not. I love that you guys talk about things. It's so rational. But think of all the people who are shocked when they have kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, our relationship fell apart because you didn't talk about it right. beforehand. You didn't picture what it actually means mm-hmm. to be responsible for another human being besides yourself. And that's, that's why so I love healthy. Oh, thank you. I love you guys. But that's why I love you and what you do, right? Because when I look at, at all the decisions you've made and the fact that like it's about sex and you've chosen to not have children, like it's so easy for people to put you in a bucket, right? Oh, she's that type of woman, put her over there. I'm not like that. But what you have accomplished from a business perspective, the way you think about things, the psychology you think about dealing with these people, like it's real emotion of the, you know, the marriages I'm sure you're saving. Oh, yeah. Um, tell me a bit about that, like how people respond from an emotional standpoint of the kind of tools that you're starting to give them. I think the tool that I give couples, and I know this because they call into the show and they email me, they're, is that, is that, um, is that I really talk a lot about communication. I think we are not not only about sex, but just about relationships and your desires and what you want and that your communication as a couple has to come first and foremost. And you gotta talk about everything. And we just assume again, like not just sex, but things should just be perfect and work without communication. So the emotional response I get from couples almost every day is that you saved our relationship. You saved my marriage or you, you know, a woman this morning struck message me on Instagram and she was like, thank you for giving me the self-confidence to ask for what I want in bed. You finally made me feel like it was okay to be a sexual woman, to be a sexual being and to ask for it. If you don't keep moving forward, you know, if, if you're not constantly moving forward, you just sort of stagnate, you know, like you die. Mm-hmm. You really do. If it, your relationship is, everything stagnates. Your business is going to stagnate, your workout routine, your sex life. And so I think the permission I give people and the advice I give people is no, you have to work on it. And working on it doesn't mean like it's dying, it's, it's dead or there's a problem. It means that you're actually going to have growth. Growth comes from change and from talking and working. So I love that you said it on another interview where basically like fitness, you wouldn't expect to go to the gym. If you lift the same weights every day, if you do the same exercise every day, why would you expect any change? And that sex is exactly the same. When you said that, I was like, oh my God, it's so true. Yeah, like the same position every night, even the same toy, the same bottle, like the same porn. Like even if you're doing all the things, if you guys have threesomes every weekend, you're going to get bored of that as well. So And that's why I think it's exciting. The thing that I also think I've flipped on its head for couples is that once you get past the shame and the weirdness of talking about sex, which yes, it's not easy. It's it's never, even if you're in a long-term relationship, it might be awkward sometimes. But once you peel all that away, you realize it's actually fun. It becomes like a new activity that you share, working on your sex life together. It becomes like just as much you talk about your favorite Netflix show, where you're going on your next vacation, you're like, Honey, I found this great thing. Let's try this tonight. Like, Sex with Emily said, that's what I love, two people kind of use me as a reference. I was like, so I was listening to Sex with Emily, and she says, if we watch porn together, Mm. it can actually be really healthy. I'm like, great, blame me, listen together. And so I think that that permission to have it be this 
living, open, breathing thing that you guys get to share. I mean, there's really, I don't know what else you guys get to share that, that, that that's intimate, that is that intimate and has that much potential for growth and pleasure and satisfaction than your sex life. Next question was gonna <laughs> be, what, how do people approach that subject? But that's so interesting. They yeah. kind of use, you're like the gateway yeah. into like that open communication. Yeah. I'm like, blame me. Couples always email me and I think this is funny. They're like, oh, we listened to you on a road trip for 12 hours. Wow. Like, people love to binge on mm -hmm. it because Maybe you just can't listen to one, but you're like, okay, yeah. After, because after a while, there's a lot of themes I talk about, like being open and talking, and communication is a lubrication. I say that in every I single know, I love show. That <laughs> because the more you talk about sex, it's going to get better. So I think that, um, how do you do it if you've never talked about it before? I always say like, my I have a few rules around it, but they're not too strict. Basically, outside the bedroom. So you don't want to be like, okay, babe, that like you roll over after sex and be like, we need to talk about it. Our sex life is abysmal. Like take it, leave the bedroom for sleeping and for sex. Like that's it. Do it in a neutral environment. Maybe it's at breakfast. Maybe it's when you're going on a walk. I love driving the car because you're, you're driving. You don't have to make eye contact. If that's so weird for you, you can be like, so babe, let's talk about our sex life. And you don't want to be blaming and shaming. So not like you never ever initiate sex. So the best way to do it is like, babe, I've been thinking a lot, you know, I love us. I love our relationship and let's just start talking about our sex life. I mean, I love us, I love the sex we're having, but why do we create a sexual bucket list where we each write down three things you wanna try and we exchange those lists? And start with that, right? And, and if you don't know any, you can do it together. You can be like, let's do some research. Let's watch some porn. Let's read a book. Let's read erotica and let's put like bookmarks in places that we think is hot and revisit it. I mean, really there's, there's no wrong way to do it except if you blame shame and even if you do it in the bedroom, that's okay. But it's just about together and it's good. it might be awkward, but once you do it, it's like ripping a band-aid off and you will be so grateful. Those are great tactical um, tips. Specific that's tips. amazing. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to start talking about the difference between men and women because there is a big difference and I think that some people try to be like, no, it's like just own it. There is a difference. Yes. The one thing that my husband used to say to me is, look, Women want romance to want sex. Men want sex to want romance. Mm -hmm. And so once he said that to me, um, it, like everything just kind of fell into place because I've got some friends who sometimes complain that husbands don't give them romance, right? They, he never buys me flowers. He never does this and that. And then when I ask them, well, do you ever like just pounce on him when he walks in the door? They're like, no. And so for me, I'm always thinking like, it has to be a give and take, right? Yes. In that relationship. What right. is your opinion on that? Have yeah, you I mean, I th what we have to understand the difference between men and women is that, is that it's basically how we are wired. We get turned on so differently. And I always say that men are frying pans and women are slow cookers. We require, I always say foreplay is not a suggestion, it's a requirement. We actually need, so with the romance, it doesn't have to be flowers. Like for me, it's like my boyfriend saying, babe, you look so hot today, or you're so sexy, or good job with work. Like I like the words. I like him like talking and all that verbal foreplay. Mm. And then I'm gonna get turned on. We're different because women, our brain is the largest sex organ. So women actually, the more we can keep our pilot light lit and be thinking about sex and keeping it top of mind, um, will help, will serve us so well in the bedroom. Because you always hear like men think about sex 8 million times a day or whatever the stats are and women don't as much. There's some truth to that in the sense of men just walk around and they'll see like a melon and they'll get turned on, right? They're like, oh my God, that melon. And women are just, our brain has to be on board with it. We don't visually see something as much. I'm not saying never, but we just don't work that way. So for women, I would say like, it is hard sometimes when your partner wants it and you don't because we just didn't do the work to mm. prep yet. We're not there yet. And so for guys, again, they might see you and they're really turned on. Like, so what's been really helpful for me is like, um, 
and for a lot of couples is just understanding like I love the love languages. Did you read the love mm-hmm. languages? I, think I didn't. Were, I read the equivalent. Yeah, you can do the quiz too, yeah. right? Like, there's mm-hmm. five ways that we all ex- experiencing experience love. It's words of affirmation. So my partner saying like, "Babe, you look so sexy," or whatever. Like, you look great today. Physical touch. So you just might mm-hmm. always want to be like touched all the time. It's um, gifts. So you came home and you thought to bring me flowers or you thought to buy me that shirt I saw. I love that. It's acts of service. You saw that my gas tank was empty and you filled it without me asking and then it's um, quality time. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. So, so usually there's, quality time is just like, it's not that we just, we are going, we have a plan every Saturday night. We're going to movie and dinner. You're not bringing your friends along. You're not on your phone. You're not working, but it's quality time, just the two of us. And typically in hearing that, there's two of those that will resonate. And typically they're not the same as your partner. You're mm-hmm. lucky if there's a match, but usually it's not. So for me, it's physical touch and words of affirmation. So if we don't touch, I'm like, what's wrong? Are you not, I'm not turned on, I'm not ready. I feel like I am not loved. And love is a precursor sometimes to being turned on. When you're with someone for a while, it might, sex, you might not even be able to get to the sex because there's so much built up resentment. And there's like, you can't even be turned on because you're upset that they haven't taken out the trash or they didn't show up for your friend's birthday party or your own things. And so we can't even, there's been so much things that have happened that we can't get to it. So when you can kind of figure out how your partner needs to be loved, because typically we, we don't, we give love the way we want it, it to be received. So I'm be touching a partner all the time. And he's like, but you're not spending quality time with me. So that doesn't matter. You're touching me, but I'm touching him all the time because that's what I need. So figuring out how you both want to be loved. But, but as far as like figuring out how you turn each other on, I think it just comes to like communication and building in all these different tools and it's different for every couple. So I think I just give the tools and then people have to take it and run with it and figure out on their own what works for them. Just starting to talk about it. Therapy is great for couples who can't get past things. I'm a huge fan of therapy. Just like you need an accountant, you need someone to help you through business, you are going to need a fine tuning and I think most couplers are going to need therapy and it can Didn't work wonders. did you say therapy like your, is your religion? Yeah, yeah, it is my religion. It really is. My parents, that was one thing they did. They're like, put me in therapy when I was like 10. Mm. They were like, we're getting divorced. We can't talk about it. You go figure it out. And that's what I love because everything you're talking about, so therapy, getting your mind right, getting your relationship right, getting your, um, and when I say right, what's right for that person um, and your sexuality on par, like all of those things I find so empowering that then I embody in every aspect of my life. How have you found or have you found the more you learn, the more you kind of dig deep into sexuality or the more people you have on your podcast, has that affected your everyday life? Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like we are never done learning and I'm never done. I'm not as arrogant enough to think that I know every single thing about sex and relationships. So I am constantly like learning, growing, going back to school and and I love it, reading and taking classes and all that. Personally, yeah, I think I'm in, um, it's definitely affected my relationships. I did all the stuff that I tell people not to do. I faked orgasms. I was, I was a cheater like in my 20s. I used to cheat. I used to just do things to please my partner. I cared way more about their pleasure than my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted. I would try to be sexy for my partner and I didn't, like you were saying, put it on your boots and I didn't know, it didn't matter that I felt sexy. It was more like, well, he would think this was sexy. So I made all those, you know, I want to say mistakes, or I, I, I was challenged by all of those things. So now I'm like, I can't get away with any of that. The so fact that now. you've changed so much and that you're actually taking ownership of, like you said, you've cheated, you faked it. Like <laughs> there's so many things that you're now in hindsight looking back and taking ownership and clearly have grown from it. Does that type of growth then spin into your business of like, 
I mean, you've got an app, you're, you've done TV shows, you've yeah. written articles, like, has that kind of translated into other aspects of your life? Yeah, I mean, well, I think everything, it all feeds into each other, because once you have that confidence now, I'm not worried every day, like, how to pay my rent, and what's going to happen, I haven't really, like, and I had to learn everything by doing, too, which is much, where I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like, you have to do everything in the business, right? Like, I was you know, working on the website and doing all the social media, I did everything, like recording the podcast and editing. I just shudder to think now I can't even work the equipment, right? But I, you have to do it all. So now I think, yeah, it all feeds into each other. But I have to tell you that it definitely is gets better all the time. And I communicate and I'm open and, um, and I'm very driven in my life, in my personal life, my professional life, and in my sex life to keep making it better. How do you actually get to that point though? So there's, you know, like, let's assume there's young people right now or even older people who just still can't accept themselves for who they are, right? They're trying to be perfect and they're trying to do, you know, appear to be, have the perfect life because they think that that's what they should be doing. Did you have to do something to your mindset to then accept? Like, you know what, I'm not perfect and that's okay. It's so funny because, God, we're all so different in different ways. I've always been one who, um, I think my biggest struggle is that I'm actually, it's funny, I've just thought about this lately that I say I'm really non-judgment, I don't judge people and I'm really open and honest and accepting, which is 100% real. And I realize this is a very vulnerable moment. I take all that, I do it towards myself. I'm really hard on myself. I'm really like, like I'll even finish the interview going, did I talk too much? I didn't pause. I should probably have more voice training where I'm giving you specific points. Here's the three points to better sex. I turn a lot of judgment on myself that why can't, it'd be easier for me to remember things or like the ADD thing has been a huge struggle in my life, which I don't talk about as much, but it's like the more that I talk about it and the more I say, listen, I'm sorry if I sound distracted. I've, I'm a little, I've probably focused. People are like, great, I get it, me too. I'm that way, my kid's that way, my boss is that way. So people just embrace it because we all have our own mm -hmm. challenges. So I just think for me, the more open I am and honest to people, like the more they just embrace you more because then you're real. So it wasn't like anything I had to consciously be like, today I'm going to be vulnerable. Right. I think I always have been, but I just think the more I've gotten positive feedback from it and people are like, you really gotta suck it up and be strong, you know, there's times for that, but there's also like, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And I like just kind of bring all my stuff along with me. And I know that it doesn't make me less of a person. It makes me maybe more relatable mm -hmm. and someone that people can really trust and yeah. open up to, so. I love that and I thank you for being so vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's really important for people to see because people will think, oh, well, she's successful and you know she has this perfect life and she's beautiful. And so like they're going to kind of dismiss you, I think, um, in some areas, but it's like, no, you're actually dealing dealing with every these day. raw things every day. Like every single said. day. Like I deal with so many, you know, God, so many things. So I no way walk around going, I'm perfect. I do think that, the, you know, our brains, like evolutionary speaking are not wired towards the positive mm -hmm. it just isn't like we constantly it was a it was a survival skill to kind of scan the environment and be like okay like someone can come in like cavemen like they're going to be able to steal our child mm -hmm. there's something wrong with the roof here that could leak through our thatch hut we are we are like that's how we've adapted mm -hmm. to look at what's wrong and so i think to really go back go wow i've made it. during your introduction i'm like yeah okay she's cool that girl she did a lot and i was like I felt the thing that I was like, I was like stirred by it. Cause I was like, I don't do that enough. So like when I was a kid, I would be like, say something negative. And I would be like five things positive. And I still have to work on that. So I think all of us have to realize that like, it's okay to have the negative, but as much as you can love yourself, praise yourself, take in the good 
and that's what I work on every day. I love that. I yeah. recently um, put on a post-it note on my mirror that I have to look, like the mirror that I use every yeah. morning so I can't ignore it. And I just put a post-it note that says one win. And I heard it from a guest on our show, Impact Theory, that, we're, and it's so true, I'm, humans, we're so used to like what you said, yeah. like what have we done wrong, what's going wrong, what's the fear? And I found myself in a pattern of looking back at the things I did the night before or the day before, I'm going, shit, I should have handled that differently. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, you messed up there. And it's, we're not likely to pat ourselves on the back. Right. And while I think it's important to notice the mistakes you've made so you can adjust, like, it's also important to give yourself, like, what was that one win right. you had the day before? Exactly. So just have a post-it note, this is one win. I'm Every morning that. now I woke, I wake up and I'm like, okay, what was my win yesterday? I'm like, all right, cool. Right. And it just gives you a different emotional feeling. It's so true. We got to do that more. You're right. It's so, I mean, God, I want to, like, implement in the office, too. I mean, they, yeah, no, it's, it's so freaking true. We can just look at the holes in things. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I constantly have this thing of I could do that better and that. But you're right. What are the wins? Where are the challenges? What did you, even if it's, like, I went to the grocery store. Right. I returned that pair of shoes that's yeah. been in my car for three yeah. months. The shit like that plagues me. I'm like, but you have all that. Things are all over the place, you mm -hmm. know, but. There's many wins. How come I don't orgasm with my partner? Okay. So, this question, here's the thing. This is probably one of the most common questions I get asked. I want everyone to listen to this because sometimes people freak out. Only 20% of women will orgasm with a penis. So I'm going to say a heterosexual relationship, man, woman, penis goes in vagina. The way we've been brought up, we make these assumptions that we should be having an orgasm that way. But only 20% of women do, meaning that a lot of women can't orgasm with a partner through penetration. But what they can do is they can do it through oral sex, through fingers, through toys. The three ways that women are more likely, more likely to orgasm are with a mouth, with fingers, or with a toy. Why so, is that, Emily? Well, that is because what happens is when we, when we talk about penis and vagina sex, which is, again, I'm assuming this is for heterosexual couples. It's very different with sure. same-sex couples. What happens is the, the most sensitive nerve endings, like the clitoris, which is external, it's outside the vulva, which is the external part of the vagina, that's where all the magic happens externally. And there are some internal nerves. People call it the G-spot. I like to call it the G-area. But typically that's not going to get stimulated by a penis. So we need the good old foreplay. It's not just a suggestion. It's actually a requirement. It is a requirement for women mm -hmm. to get turned on. I often think of it this way, that women are slow cookers and men are frying pans. <laughs> men are going to, and again, it's not this way across the board with every man and every woman, but typically men are going to get, they're, they're going to top sees you and he's like, let's go. I'm excited, right? Your partner see, and, and we're like, I was just finishing a text. I didn't see you <laughs> walk in the room. Like, what is going on? And so that means that we need more, we need to be warmed up. We want to have some external touching and playing and getting aroused. So a lot of times what happens with couples is they assume because what we see in television, what we see in movies mm -hmm. is, is couple makes out for a minute and then they have penetrative sex and woman has wild screaming orgasm. That is not reality. And here's the thing, I love that you said that because it isn't just the sex itself. It's the fact that for me at least, like I started to feel a bit of shame, like shouldn't I be able to do this? Yes. And now you start to be insecure and then that spirals out and then leads to, you know, the fear of not feeling sexy when you're having the sex. Yes. 
So this is why, and, and the same thing, Lisa, the reason why I started this show, Sex with Emily, about 16 years ago was because I felt shame. I thought I was broken. I thought something was wrong with me because I wasn't having orgasms and I wasn't having as much pleasure because I didn't know anything about sex. So it's really common that we feel shame, but what I want to empower and encourage every single person with a vulva to do, I often say vulva owners, I don't always use gender, but you know what I'm talking about. If that is your body part, you need to just have a conversation with your partner. And this will be the, the tips I, I the, 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 one of the top tips I give is communication is lubrication. And the more you talk about sex, the better sex you're gonna have. And here's the thing, your, your male partner is not, they don't know this either. So they're assuming that, you know, I also, I'm gonna admit something here, I used to fake orgasms. Okay, so that was part of one of my questions. Like, how, is it okay how, to fake? And if not, how do you stop? Well, that's a great question. So I, I feel like I did a disservice to all the men I was with because I just thought, and here's why women fake. We fake because we know we're not gonna get there. We don't wanna make them feel bad. Um, we so want it to be weird. over. We're like, enough pounding. Is it time for dinner? Is it time to eat something? <laughs> like, I've tried so hard. I don't want to talk about it, so we fake it. So to me, that's like a disservice. So all my former partners are walking around going, oh, I'm the greatest lover yes. ever. So, so how we stop faking it is we have a conversation outside the bedroom with our partner and we say, you know what? I've learned a lot today. I was listening to Women of Impact and there was this sex doctor on and I learned a lot. And I realized that I, and you lead with I statements, not blaming, not shaming. And you say, I realize that I haven't really had a real orgasm before with you. And maybe I've, if you were talking about faking it, you say, I, I'm really embarrassed, but sometimes I feel like I want to get there. So I, I kind of fake it. Sometimes maybe that could help, but I never really have with you. And I actually never really have with any partner. So what I realize is that I need is I require more clitoral stimulation. And so this is where I recommend couples engage in mutual masturbation. And even though, and I think that masturbation is a huge part of our overall sexual health and wellness. Mm. And if you have a lot of shame around masturbation, you know, I hear from people all the time, Lisa, they say, oh, I don't need to masturbate. I have a partner. And, and, and okay, I, I, get, I, under, I understand that mentality or it's wrong or it's cheating, but it's just, again, everything about sex needs to be rebranded. And one mm. of them is that masturbation is shameful or wrong. And it's actually the key Healthy masturbation is the key to unlocking our own pleasure because we're responsible for our own orgasm. So freaking true. So why do people think it's wrong? Is it just the way that they were brought up? Typically, it's because people were raised in an environment mm. where it was actually very religious. Perhaps it was part of their upbringing that, that sex is just for procreation. Um, you, it's not something that you do with a partner. Or, or also sometimes what happens is we're little kids, we're toddlers, and maybe we're touching ourselves or we're rubbing against a pillow. And our parents say, stop, that's wrong, that's dirty. So it's even these messages ah. that we might not even remember what they are. Also, in pop culture, in all media, um, male masturbation is sort of glorified. You think about the movies, or we all know men masturbate, but nobody talks about female masturbation. And so I just think it's part of sex that's shrouded in mystery. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to lift the veil, and I want to tell all your listeners, all the women out there, that if you haven't, it's great. I have so much, so many great articles on my site at sexwithemily.com that have first-time masturbation guides, how to do it, tips and tools, because, you know, it's something that you just, it's like our self-care routine. It's part of it. You can work out, you can eat healthy, you can do all the things, but if you were not comfortable with our own body and we have shame, not even just around masturbation, but our body looks, the way we look with a partner, which so many of us do, we all have things, but 
I think one of the best places to heal it is to really enhance the relationship you have with yourself. Oh my God. And understand how you get there. I love that. Okay, so you even said about the communication. So that was one part of the question that I have is if you're not satisfied in the bedroom, how do you have that communication with your partner where they don't feel like it's about okay. them? Because of course, everyone's got an ego. Um, okay, so like- let me go talk about my three T's of communication. And this actually works for any awkward conversation that you want to have. Well, let's start with sex. It's timing, tone, and turf. Timing. You want to make sure that it's at a time when just the two of you are hanging out. Maybe you're going for a walk. Maybe you're having a date night. Um, it's not when you're mad at your partner again for not giving you an orgasm or they didn't pick up their clothes or you're like, and another thing, I've never had an <laughs> orgasm. No, the time has to be chill. You know when that time is. And another way to remember it is when you're not halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Don't have any conversations that are important to you when you're in any of those states. And so after not, sex, I heard you say, right? Don't, don't have outside the ball that comes yeah. to, to, to turf. Mm. So that's timing. And the ter- timing tone and turf, turf, outside the bedroom. People always assume, well, I'm in the bedroom, I'm gonna have the conversation. But I love to encourage people to think about your bedroom for sleeping and for sex. It's not for deep conversations. So when you're on a road trip, because then you're not making eye contact, but you're driving along, or when you're on a hike or a walk, because you can still sort of have that buffer. I mean, I'm, I'm here I'm here for people, I understand. <laughs> I'm giving you the workarounds. And then I your tone, that. so here's how you have it. The tone, so because we all, this is the reason why we don't talk to our partner. Mm. We're so afraid that they're gonna feel bad, that they're going to feel judged, that they're gonna feel like bad lovers, or maybe they'll rage at us and say, well, you never do this. We're just so afraid that we just say, I'm gonna be mute, and I'm gonna fake orgasms, and I'm not gonna have pleasure. So here's how you get over it, with the tone. So, so I, uh, well, I need to talk to you about something that I realize that we've never really talked about. And I want you to know that this is really uncomfortable for me. It's, it's actually a little awkward because I have so much fear. And this is when you gotta be vulnerable. I have so much fear that you're gonna think this is about you or something that you've done, and it's not. It's really about, um, it's about our sex life. And, and I've been learning a lot lately on my own. I always say, blame me, you're listening to my podcast, you were reading something. And, and I've learned that there's- Blame so, Emily. Blame me. Yeah. People always blame me. <laughs> I, I don't care if you blame me. I'm totally fine with that. You, I was just listening to this podcast and watching this video and I, I didn't know this. Did you know this? So you mm. make it like something that you're gonna do together and say, I've never really spent a lot of time exploring my body, but what I've learned is we have so much capacity for pleasure. Did you know that there's, I could have a nipplegasm, I could give you pleasure in all these ways. Would you be willing to talk to have conversations about our sex life and what feels good. Mm. And so you could start with the orgasm talk and say, well, I've only never had one. I'd like to start working on it. Or I only have one with my vibrator, in which case would you be cool if I, I would love to bring that into the bedroom. And you just kind of go from there. Is there anything you've been wanting to talk about with our sex life? If you know, babe, tell me your, tell me what you would like. I also have a great thing on our website that's been downloaded, Lisa, you'll put so many times that we just created this year. It's called the yes, no, maybe list. And it's a free downloadable, and it has about 70 different sex suggestions on Mm. it. It's like everything from cuddling to spanking to kissing to taking a bath together. And it says, yes, no, maybe. You could each take this quiz and see, well, what are your yeses? That's great. What are your no's? What are your maybes? And then you could start with some yeses. Because what I'm saying here is even if you're having the most incredible sex, and I'm telling you sex isn't just about orgasms, I will tell you that in every single relationship, 
it's going to get stale after a while. You're mm-hmm. going to get bored. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. It's going to happen. So just to get ahead of it, even in the spirit of, I want to make sure that our sex life is really strong. I want to make sure we go to the distance. I want to get ahead of it getting boring. And I want to get ahead of us not knowing each other. Because it's not a one-time conversation either. So I'm just giving throwing another easy way is to say, let's talk about the three most memorable times we've had sex. Mm. Because when we have that conversation, you find out it's like almost like your sexual DNA. Like if I said to my partner, oh, it's that time we were on vacation and there were the breeze, the trees were blowing in the wind and someone knocked on the door and it was we were so nervous. It's like, oh, well, maybe there's like a voyeur fantasy. Maybe you need to be on vacation again. So just to, to kind of do it in a way that we're in this together, I think we both would agree that it's important and let's talk about it. And then you might have to go back to, and I promise this isn't about you because your partner might still mm-hmm. say, with all the caveats, are you sure? Is it me? What's wrong with my penis? Da, 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 you know? You just got to keep encouraging and say, I've never done this either. That's how you have the talk. I love the way you just broke that down because words matter. The way you say it matters. Um, it can literally either break the conversation or bring you guys closer together. And then the other part of what you said, which I love is, you know, I've been with my husband now for 20 years and it's like, look, you, you're having sex with the same person. So how do you keep the spice alive? How do you keep it fresh? How do you still explore together, right? And I think it's so powerful in having those discussions in saying, hey, we need to keep spicing it up. Yeah. And so what does that look like for you? And that actually leads me to another question then about fantasies. So is it wrong to have a fantasy during sex? Is there a right or wrong? Um, in fact, I've got a leading question, but let's okay. go with, let's start okay. with that. Well, there's no sex police. I just want everyone to know <laughs> that I will, I will not knock on your door. No one's going to knock on your door and say, I heard you were having a fantasy. And there is a lot of confusion about fantasy. Having a rich, healthy fantasy life is another part of being overall sexually healthy. The richer the fantasies you have, sometimes the better sex life you have. You can be more creative. You can be more open. And so people often feel guilt that they were fantasizing about someone else during sex, and it happens. And so I just want to tell people it's all okay. I want to normalize it. It's not another thing that you should beat yourself up with. And so I think it also helps with our own solo play, with masturbation, to kind of think about things that turn you on. And then eventually you can share that with your partner. But let me remind you this. There's two kinds of fantasies. Okay. There's the fantasies that we would love to actually partake with somebody. I'd love my partner to to fulfill this fantasy with me. Maybe you'd find it on the yes, no, maybe list. And then there's the ones we just like to keep to ourselves. And they're all okay. Oh, God, I love that. So what about the fantasies? So you said fantasize about someone else during sex. Happens. All right, so how, is that something that you would recommend you discuss with your partner? No, I wouldn't. I'm actually going to say, you don't have to say last night, I was thinking about that hot barista that we saw when we were getting coffee and I was fantasizing about him last night (laughs) when we were having sex. I was picturing him making a double latte. No, I mean, no. Listen, these things are not helpful, but what is helpful is to, is to share some fantasies that you might be wanting to try, but I don't think it, it's not cheating. Listen, our minds are complex. Mm. Our brain is the largest sex organ. It's, it's active. It's busy. We think of things that maybe we don't want to at times, and that's when I, I it's like maybe we'll then replace it with other fantasies. Listen, I'm not, if every single time you're with your partner and you have to think of someone else or something else. I mean, again, everything's in extremes. If that's all you're thinking about and you no longer want to be with your partner, then it's probably time to really then start to actually spice it up. And Because the things that we miss the most is we miss variety, mm. we miss spontaneity, and we miss novelty. 
those are the three things. So, but here's the cool thing is that novelty and, and variety and spontaneity, it doesn't mean like you have to go build like a, a dungeon or anything. I mean, you really don't. I mean, like spontaneity could be maybe your partner always initiates and you decide that I'm going to get the house all set up. I'm going to wear something that makes me feel sexy and I'm just going to spontaneously initiate sex. You know, I'm going to I'm going to give him a massage when he walks in. I'm going to I'm going to do something that's out of the blue because every time we have sex, it's the same way. So now we're going to have it in the living room. I mean, it could be anything that could be spontaneous, spont spontaneous, spontaneity. And then there's variety. Variety could be switching up your positions. It could be anything on that, yes, no, maybe less. Dressing sexy, getting into spanking, reading erotica together, watching porn together, listening to porn together. You know, that could just be something different. Listening different locations. To porn together. That's yeah, a thing. There's some audio erotica what? sites, which is great. And it's women, a lot, I hear this from women a lot because sometimes I, I don't need to see it, but sometimes ah. just hearing it. There's one called Dipsy, there's one called Triquin. We have also, we, we talk about this a lot on the show and on our site, but I have a lot of resources for, for women especially. Some women just don't naturally have fantasies. I had to cultivate my fantasy life. I didn't have a lot of fantasies that just, some people just the way our minds are. If you're someone who dreams a lot and you're a dreamer, you're an artist and you are thinking in stories, it's just the way some people do, some people don't. But again, no shame, we can learn all of this. We're not taught any of these skills at mm. all. And the reason why so many of us aren't in the mood for sex, and I will say it's men and women equally lose their like their drive happens that's a whole nother conversation but it's because our brain isn't on board for sex if we expect that every time our partner comes up to us and we should be ready to go we're not doing our part we have to keep our own pilot light lit mm -hmm. that was one of my questions is what happens when my partner has less of a sex drive towards me? Like, is it about me or is that them? I'm so glad you're asking these questions. It is not about you. I mean, we always assume, this is just going back to the sex conversation, we assume if there's anything going wrong with our sex life, it's our fault, they're not attracted to us anymore. We often assume that. So I think this is a conversation. Usually if you find, for, for men, and again, I hate speaking in, in, in this is not absolutes, but if a, if a guy, if a man is on, let's say, antidepressants or blood pressure medication, there's some like, so rule out, like if they're on a medication or something like that, 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 could, that could impact your sex drive. If they're really stressed about money, about their job, about work, depressed, anxious, these are all gonna impact our sex drive. The foods we eat, how much we drink, if we do drugs, we're not sleeping. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that impact our sex drive. And to think it's just not attracted to me anymore, it's just, it, it's just short-sighted and we end up hurting ourselves that way. So this is when we go back to the conversation. Because here's the other thing, Lisa, in most relationships, there's something called mismatched libidos. There's a high desire partner and a low desire partner. And again, split among genders. That was one of the big myths I used to believe that, that I used to believe the, the hype that men wanted sex all the time and women were frigid and not true at all. But there's a high desire and a low desire partner. The interesting thing is usually those people don't match up, which is a bummer. How great would it be if we don't want sex or we, we want it all the time? And so you gotta work with that. That's when you have another conversation. You say, you know what? I realized lately um, I want sex every day and it seems like you don't want it as much. Let's kind of work around and figure out some ways to work sex into our schedule. And that's why I think scheduling sex is important. People think it's not sexy. It is literally, it is going to save you so much anguish. It's gonna save you so much pain. It's gonna save you so much heartache if you just know 
Saturday night is our night. It's on the calendar because then the high desire partner isn't trying on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday <laughs> and feeling rejected because then we can all look forward to Saturday night. I can get myself in the mood. I can masturbate beforehand. I can make sure that I'm ready. And then you look forward to it. You could start talking about like, where should we have sex Saturday night? What should we do? And it becomes fun. We got to make sex fun and something that you're shared. It's not up to one person to carry the weight of the sex life.